0: Well good morning everybody and uh, our Bible reading now comes from Mark chapter 9 beginning to read at verse 2. Mark chapter 9 verse 2. After six days Jesus took Peter, James and John with him and led them up a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. Suddenly, when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. And they asked him, why did the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? Jesus replied, to be sure, Elijah does come first and restores all things. Why then is it written that the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected? But I tell you, Elijah has come and they have done to him everything they wished just as is written about him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Shall we pray? Father God, we thank you for your word. And we pray now that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Please do keep your Bibles open at Mark chapter 9. Now this incident was so important to Peter's life that he wrote about it in his second letter uh, saying this. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty He received honour and glory from God the Father when the voice came to him from the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice that came from heaven when we were with him on the sacred mountain. A significant place. I think it was the Beatles who sang the words, There are places, that we remember all our lives, though some have changed, some for good, but not for better. Some have gone and some remain. Or if you're from a a younger generation, as Ed Sheeran sang about an important place. He He sang, I'm on my way, driving down those old country lanes, singing to Tiny Dancer, and I miss the way you make me feel. And it's real. We watch the sunset over the castle on the hill. Places. And as Peter, uh, James and John looked back, they would have regarded this place, this moment, this hill, this mountain as a place of significance, a place of formation, a place of tremendous importance, and that we can all identify with that, can't we, of significant places. These few days have been a roller coaster for the disciples and especially for Peter. One minute he's up there declaring that Jesus is the Messiah and the next Jesus is rebuking him and telling him off. As Jesus explained that he must suffer, die and rise again. The Christian life can be like this. Just as you think that you've got it sorted, things come crashing down. And that's where we find Peter and the disciples this morning in our reading and maybe you're feeling like that at the moment now verse two after six days Jesus took Peter James and John and led them on a high mountain presumably after all the highs and lows of the previous section it's as if Jesus has decided that they've kind of been in the classroom uh, too long now time I know for a field trip going up a mountain. Do you remember those kind of field trips that you had at school? I remember field trips and one particular one to the coastal sands at Kessingland on the Suffolk coast, looking at the land change as the land is reclaimed from the sea. We were issued with our clipboards and we were instructed to, to look at the grass and how the vegetation changed. And we were supposed to listen to a local expert who'd come to teach us. And then we were supposed to learn, write things down and get ready for a test. They were great fun. I can't remember exactly much about what we learnt. But the instructions were really clear. That we were to look, we were to listen and we were to learn. And that's what Jesus does here as he takes these three disciples on a field trip if you like. So number one, the scene is almost indescribable, but we're to, to look at it, verses two to four. Jesus plus the three disciples, and they're alone, and they're, they go up to pray. Where does it say that? Well, it's actually in Luke's account of the same story. Then in verse two, it says, he was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. This is really dramatic. This wasn't just uh, about the, the clothes. Luke tells us that his appearance of Jesus' face changed. You can almost feel the Gospel writers struggling to be able to describe the indescribable. In Psalm 104, verse 2, Uh, God is described there as wrapping himself in light, as with a garment. Strikingly similar to what's happening here. And in this moment, Jesus is revealed as God. He is transfigured. He is metamorphosis. He's transformed. And we need to look, we need to really look at this and not pass by too quickly because we're not just seeing Jesus the man, but we're seeing Jesus the Son of God in all his glory. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, the Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And that's what we're seeing. This is, if you like, the pulling back of the curtain, pulling back of the veil, a moment, a flash, kind of on the mountainside, um, that they will never forget, seeing his glory and his majesty, the brilliance of Jesus. And they needed to keep looking at it. They needed to keep looking back at it, at that place. And that's why Peter records it in his letter. We're on our field trip. We mustn't rush over these moments of observation. We need to look, to gaze at it. This is the very sneak preview, if you like, of what will be made clear later after the resurrection. And that's not all. Suddenly here the four become six. Verse four. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. You can see here that the disciples now go into overdrive. They're frightened and they're confused. They're speechless and they're panicking. Elijah, the prophet... Moses, the lawgiver, speaking with Jesus. It's all a bit too much, a bit too crazy. You've got the whole Bible story here coming together. You've got the prophets represented by Elijah. And you've got Moses uh, representing the law, the Old Testament confirming the new. Luke gives us a, a really important detail in his account. He tells us what they were discussing It says that they were talking about the departure of Jesus, the departure of Jesus. And that word departure is the same word for exodus. They were talking about the exodus of Jesus. The exodus uh, was the liberation of God's people from slavery in Egypt through the outstretched hand of God as the result of the shedding of blood. A perfect lamb sacrificed so death would pass over and not destroy the Israelites. And so Jesus and Moses and Elijah are talking about Jesus' exodus, bringing to fulfilment what the Old Testament had foreshadowed. You see, Jesus would shed his blood on the cross for us so that through faith in him, people could be set free from the slavery of sin. His death and resurrection redeems a people for himself and so it's really important we keep looking keep looking at this so from looking we move to listening on our field trip despite Mark telling us that they were speechless it doesn't really stop Peter from putting his oar in a great encouragement I think Peter is for all those people who tend to speak before they think and verse 5 tells us that he says, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. It's a strong start. It's good for us to be here. And then uh, perhaps he, he he is thinking to himself, this has been a really good field trip. Uh, I've enjoyed myself. I've seen some great things. I think there's something really important here, that all this glitz and shiny uh, uh, light will go down well with the people. Now we're we're, we're getting somewhere now we can draw up that plan that action plan for the restoration of Israel we could have a, a mountain of fame we could call it come and see and find out this will be just the sort of people thing that the people will come to and rally round and kick the Romans out maybe that was what Peter was thinking with his shelters but Peter in his fear just sort of bleats out this kind of this rubbish and you kind of imagine, can't you, that the angels are, are watching this and, and kind of shouting, come on, cue the cloud. Will someone just shut this man up? Stick a sock in it, Peter, for it's time to stop talking and to listen to the expert on this field trip, the expert, time to listen to Jesus as God comes and says, this is my son who I love. Listen to him. Stop talking. Listen to him. This passage is truly awesome. This is the Lord God speaking about the one that Colossians says is, by whom all things were created, where things in heaven or or things on earth, thrones, powers, authorities, things visible and invisible. This is what we see throughout the, the Bible when God pulls back the curtain for a moment and displays his glory, his majesty, his brilliance. The reaction of people should never be to, to start building shelters, to, to kind of write a book, or to give a vlog. No, their reaction should be really to fall face down in silence. But you see, part of our problem is that somehow we treat God just as a, a kind of mate to give friendly advice to us to listen to but you can kind of take it or or leave it if it fits us you see our our view of God is just too far too small what good is a God who who we can put limits on what good is a God we can keep as a kind of talisman that we just get out when we when we want what good is a God when we can put him under our judgment and control such a God is not the God of the Bible God makes himself known in a way that we find ourselves speechless, we find ourselves face down, we find ourselves in humility and just simply eager to listen, listen to the Son. Not just any expert, but the expert. So we're on our, our field trip, we've looked, we've listened and now we learn verses 9 to 13. Verses ni- verse 9 tells us that they came down the mountain and Jesus orders them not to tell anyone what they've seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Now, why does he say that? Well, I think it's a bit like this. Imagine you're a, uh, you, you've got a student doctor and you've just sh- shadowed um, a surgeon for an afternoon and you've, you've looked and you've listened at what they've done and what they've said now you wouldn't expect uh, that student to now go out and start uh, practicing hip surgery on the next person just think of the the mess uh, uh, that they could really get into I think it's the same here given the response by Peter earlier it's clear clearly not going to be uh, good for them to go out and start telling folk as they really don't understand yet the meaning of what they saw and heard. Much more time is needed for, for learning. And so verse 10 says, they kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. But they did ask one question, and you see that in verse 11. Why did the teachers of the law say Elijah must come first? To which Jesus replies, to be sure, Elijah does come first to restore all things. Verse 13, but I tell you, Elijah has come, and they've done everything they wished, just as it is written about him. Now, you see, Jesus is referring to John the Baptist here, fulfilling what it said in Malachi chapter 4 about Elijah coming. John had that ministry of repentance, didn't he? He spoke of the need for the forgiveness of sins. He spoke about the essential nature of being baptised as an outward sign of the fact that our hearts are sinful and that they need to be renewed. The religious leaders didn't recognise him, and so they didn't like him. They eventually had him arrested, and of course we know that he was beheaded. And Jesus is saying, understand this, that's exactly what will happen to me. Verse 12, the Son of Man must suffer much and be rejected. As John the Baptist, as the fulfillment of Elijah, suffered and died for his message, so his death points forward to the suffering and the death of the Messiah. Now, as they came down the mountain, there's still loads to learn the field trip is just a field trip, right? As you read Mark, you, you can't help sort of feeling for the, the disciples. They, they clearly believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but the sincerity of belief in him as Messiah is just not matched by their understanding of what it means for him to be the Messiah. Think back for a moment to the, the blind man in chapter 8, if you were with us a few weeks ago and that two-stage opening of his eyes to see. That wasn't just a healing, but it was also a parable. You see, seeing, understanding, is at times a process, and kind of charging into action with half your sight restored could be really unhelpful or even dangerous. You see, we need to learn Um, We need to learn before we we go into action. We need to learn again and again just what Jesus uh, does and who he is. Chapter chapter 9, after the healing of the boy, um, we read in verse 30 that they left that place. He was teaching the disciples. He said to them, Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. He's teaching them the same thing again. And then he says, but they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him. You see this through, right through Mark, this um, lack of understanding. And they were afraid here to ask. Although I, I was good at science at school, I wasn't very good at maths. And I remember in class... Um, Uh, having to put up my hand over and over again to ask the same question about this gibberish on the board that I didn't really understand. After a while you get to that point don't you when you've asked maybe three times or four times that you just stop asking because you're either embarrassed um, or afraid to ask and I think that's how the disciples must have felt. Um, many of us, many of you rather, are school teachers and perhaps you know that feeling that you spent maybe all year teaching your students the same things over and over again. You've been on the field trips, you've done the looking, the listening and the learning. Um, the students uh, come and speak to you after their examination and you listen to them as they explain the answers that they gave to some of the questions. And as you listen in, um, you know that they've made a right royal mess of some of the questions. But thankfully, um, Jesus knows about our messes and understands that we're slow to learn. Uh, Jesus isn't an examiner. He's not setting us a test. He's not marking your paper. He's patient with us the field trip the transfiguration the glory the discussion about jesus suffering and dying uh, may not make much sense to the disciples at this point it may not make much sense to you listening to it today but i want you to know this be god it and jesus is our patient with us and they're gentle with us in james chapter 1 verse 5 it instructs us that if we lack wisdom We should ask God who who gives generously to all without finding fault. You see, Jesus doesn't sit there and say, oh, you've asked me already this three times. How many times? No, he doesn't do that. He's gentle and patient with us and knows that we find it difficult to understand. And he'll keep explaining to us if we're prepared to keep coming back, keep looking, keep listening and learning. Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 12 says, For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Talking about the now and the future, but recognising now we only see in part, we only understand in part. Now, of course, this is not a call uh, to biblical cluelessness, uh, but it is a reminder for us to be humble. It's a reminder for humility, that we need to keep coming back to these same things, to keep learning. But it's also a warning to those who think that they know it all already. So let's keep Coming and looking, let's keep coming and listening, and let's keep coming and learning. Join me on this field trip. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for your word, and we do pray that you'll help us to look and to gaze intently on Jesus and all his glory. We pray that you'll help us to listen to Jesus listen to him in your words to understand who he is and why he came and we pray that we'll just keep on learning you'll keep us humble keep us um, keep us coming back to you that you may transform our understanding for we ask in Jesus name amen amen I'm going to hand back now to Victoria